Patriots. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd in the year 2023. <laughs> Let's try that again. Hey, good morning, Patriots. And today is Tuesday, January 23rd in the year 2024. I can't believe this. These dates, you would think that it's not a big deal. And there I go and I like mess it up, but that's okay. It's just a Tuesday. It's just a Tuesday. And we're good with that. And actually, I had my energy drink and not coffee this morning. That's probably that's probably the problem right there. It's probably it right there. It's like, hey, what's going on, Patriots? Lots of news in lots of news of war 
or tremors of war in our nation right now and in the world. And I think what we have to start really coming to grips with, especially when we look at the Supreme Court decision yesterday, which openly just defied our Constitution and told Texas to take down any sort of border barriers. We have to start understanding the nature of the corruption that's happened in our nation. People have become so complicit in crimes and so unable to start doing the right thing. They're so owned by so many different factions. And this is such a desperate hour for them because they're all trying to do one thing, save themselves. They understand what's coming and what's coming is a hard hand of God. And they're all trying to scramble to engulf the world in war and to avoid the ultimate accountability. And the accountability ultimately comes to us, from us as people, as we awaken to all that they've done. Before we get going this morning, it is important to appreciate the magnitude of what we're talking about here in terms of change. I mean, obviously, disrupting the economy, getting us locked into some sort of digital currency. This is an election year. Pretty much anything is on the table. And they'll do anything they can to disrupt things. And part of that is the understanding that money is at the center of so much control over people's lives. It, in particular, when we get to retirement accounts, which people have spent so much time and effort in putting their money into these retirement savings that are literally nothing more than paper currency traps. We have to get ourselves in a better position. And that's why we have the folks at Birch Gold. So if you type BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and you text it to 989898, again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and text it to 989898, you're going to get hold of Birch Gold, and they're going to be able to walk you through setting up a precious metals retirement account if you have an existing 401k or IRA. It can help you transition that into a precious metals-backed retirement account at no charge to you. Birch Gold are the experts in the field, A-plus business rating. They've served us now for quite some time and have done a great job for Bars Nation. They're, they're good in their field, experts in their field, and they can guide us through very particular challenges of this time, which is always about where do we place our money and how do we secure what we have to better steward what we earned with our gifts and talents that God gave us. So again, head on over to Birch Gold, and the way you get there is to text the word BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's going to give you a free information packet. You can read through that, can become informed, and then give them a call. Best thing you could do today. Davos is in full swing. And much of the trend that we're hearing in Davos is a shift in narrative. And the tremors of war right now are higher than ever. And it should, it should come as no surprise. Part of this is the general fear-mongering that is going on amongst these people that are in power and understanding that they have lost control of a key narrative. Now, it's pretty difficult at this point to discern where exactly this truth lies because the, we, have, we are dealing with billionaire classes. And we're dealing with them. These are the people that literally sit across from one another and speak in 
code in open code to one another to try to get them to understand who's going to win. And some of those codes are sent to the public, but we are left with very little to discern and to try to sort out what the actual truth is in this hour. And so we we literally have to go to our different sources of the media, and that's caused them some, some consternation in the elites because as they've admitted even at Davos this week, they no longer have control of the narratives that they used to. They used to pride themselves in the amount of control that they had. People were obedient to their message. When the news people of Wall Street Journal speak to the world and say it used to be that when we said something, people believed it, that should shock everybody because it's a lack of, dis- of cognitive processing, but, uh, but rather a de- demonstration of slave mentality. And regardless of what these outcomes are going forward, we can never let that happen again. God did not ask us to be slaves. And unfortunately, with the levels of trauma-based programming, which I've been talking about in the last few shows, and last night's show I got into it deeply. That show, by the way, we'll post right after this show. But the levels of trauma-based programming right now are huge. And the, the inability for people to step away from that trauma and to step into the place of being sovereigns and even simpler than that, just being accountable in our lives has become very difficult. We're in an age of accountability. And that is the hardest change I would say humanity has faced. And in the age of accountability, all things that were solid became shaken. And it creates a great instability in people's thinking. And even those that are stalwart and solid and think that they have everything under control are finding that they're, they're in a place of being unsettled would be the right term. And we can see that in the reflection of when we're starting to lash out at people or finding anger within ourselves. The mature person is going to start looking within themselves and asking themselves, why am I feeling this way? And this is such a critical point of self-reflection for all of us. It's a point of getting inside. And the thing is, many of these processes are the processes of training a warrior, just so you know this. And unfortunately, so much of our culture has been separated from the warrior mentality. A warrior needs to remain in that very level, calm place. You have to take away your highs and your lows of emotional response. And you have to get to the center of truth. What one colonel called, spoke to me one time is, well, it's not just one colonel, but it's a common term. But a colonel was talking to me about this, get to the ground truth. You have to get to the ground truth, the actual, the, the place of where things are. And the ground truth is always somewhere in the middle. No matter where we sit and where we think how righteous we are, ultimately, the ground truth is somewhere in the middle. And especially when we're walking in faith and our alliance with God, if we're trying to seek God's heart in all things, I guarantee on the extremes of emotion, that is not where he is. So our process again and again has to be to return ourselves to that center point. So if we are interacting with somebody and we find ourselves suddenly our backup and we're starting to want to draw our sword, take a moment, breathe, and center. And those principles of breathing and centering are not endemic in, in our faith. They should be, but they're not. 
we should be always back to that center of breathing and centering. And that's that allowing Holy Spirit to work through us and allowing Holy Spirit to align with us and to get centered with him. And then temper those edges. Those edges of emotion are what get us killed. It's what get us in trouble. Because when we get out in those edges of emotion, we're not thinking clearly. We're not able to see clearly with a line through everything. In that moment, when you hit, when you get in that ambush and that firefight ensues, and you everything seems to be crazy. And just to the point, because I, I would encourage you, because it's online, it's on our Bards FM channel. If you watch nothing else in, in the film that I released just this last, I don't know, I guess the last eight, 16 weeks ago, but it's the film I did from 2006, there's the ending scene, which is the ambush. And the reason I would encourage you to watch that is you can visually go through a moment of an ambush. When that impact happens, and you'll see in the first part of that, this crazy erratic camera work that's going on, because literally we don't know where the attack's coming from. And people are screaming and are hollering at each other, not screaming, but calling out to each other. In that moment, we actually thought that the, the one of the shooters was in the tree right before me. But instead, they were in a, which we couldn't see at that point, they were in the wood line, but about 100 meters, about 50 to 100 meters forward of where I was. And so you have to start getting yourself centered in those moments because when the ambush hits, chaos ensues. And then you have to find that center point for your heart and make your decision. Which way are you going to go? It's a really important moment visually you can witness and walk through because in that moment, two things happen, and I can tell you my decision. Chuck Prodnick was leading the squad that went into the valley, and I was looking at him, and Ben, one of the other team members, ran behind me to jump the fence to be with Chuck. And Dave, was leading the other team, was up high. Now, my, I had to make a decision of what line I was going to follow because you can't stay in the middle. It should, should sound familiar at this point in time. That whole concept that we can't stay in the middle. And I chose to go the, take the high line, which was a good line to take. It just ended up that way. It's just kind of God's hand. And Chuck was down in the valley. And then those two elements then swept in, in kind of a V-shaped salt. And were able to neutralize, to a degree, neutralize the threat until we had to get out of there, otherwise known as exfil. That whole moment right there in that critical beginning scene is literally the ambush, which is the separation between the emotion and the clarity of line. And when we get hit with news every day and you get hit with these tremors of war, it's striking an ambush at the heart, intended to. It's intended to convolute things. And there's so much of this going on and people lack the processes so well of simply centering. There's a great story from a, old martial arts, it's an old martial arts story from the legends of martial arts. And it was in one of the temples where they were training. And as I, it's probably like Sholan, Sholin type style. And this, these are a series of rooms that a, this disciple had to go through. In each room, 
is offering new challenges, and each room is offering new challenges of his level of, of acumen within his art. He's in the dark. He has to. He moves from one room of light to room one room of darkness. The threats are different in each place. But he arrives at a final room, and it's completely. And he's having to fight his way through this. And these are stories actually kind of not not made up. These are old stories where this particular one comes from. And in this last room, he is sitting there in, and it's absolutely dark and he can't see anything. And what he, all he has to do and all he must do is just simply go into his quiet breathing and meditation to feel the room. And he feels it to the degree of being able to feel the airflow because there's as he breathes and feels the subtleties of the room, he can feel the airflow, which happens to be, as his eyes have barely adjusted, there's something that he can feel and sense that's up high on the wall. And so once he gets that clarity, he springs up and he launches and he puts his hands up and finds an opening and thrusts his hands through the opening. And in thrusting his hands through the opening, grabs on to what's there and feels this intense sear on his arm as he's as this it's a doorway and it turns and drops him on the outside of the temple. And he's ended up being tattooed and branded on the forearms. Now, that story is not obviously not of our faith, but my point is there's a discipline of centering yourself and getting yourself out of the way of emotion because in that darkness, which is why I use this this whole concept. It's a metaphor of faith. He's in absolute darkness. And he centers himself to feel that moment and be present in that space, to not be affected by the fear and the terror that darkness can bring. And then finds his way through this maze of tests. We're in a time right now when our faith is to be so solid that we can literally walk in that darkness of trusting in God so profoundly that we can center ourselves and not be distracted by the emotions and the chaos that are ensuing around us, which is immense. And it's by design. Because we are coming to a moment right now where we all are being tested. And unfortunately, if you're not of the warrior heart, and you're emotional, and you're going to be distracted, you're going to miss key things. And this is, again, a threshing, because this is the, in, in my way of walking, this is the hour in which the warrior class is being separated from the main body. And God needs his warriors. He needs his clarity. He needs his Gideons and his Gideon 300. And this is the hour which people are being called. But if you're going to be rooted in emotions or anger or you're going to be rooted in the things that are pulling us away. And if you can't have legitimate, like, good discussions with people without finding yourself in a corner or being backed up, if you're going to be affected by the news or little things people are saying, there's inner work to be done. And the inner healing is about releasing so much of what's in us that has been, has left us with scars, has left us with trauma, has left us with anchor points. And it's important that we get to that center point because this is a time when everything before us gets very confusing. 
it's like stepping out to rely on your your digital GPS and finding out that it's not working. And I told that story because it's a real story. It happened after Bars Fest, and I just want to recount it again today because these are important parables or perspectives on which to to be able to look at the world. Because I was given by the prayer team at the end of Bars Fest, leave in the cover of darkness. You should know me. I mean, these are these are like that's almost like cool guy stuff, right? It's like, oh, good. Okay, I get to leave in the cover of darkness. I'm going to be out here. I'm going to be like avoiding the attack of the enemy. So I did. Now, after a week at Flemingsburg, and it's not a hard place to find, but at the same time, it's rural Kentucky. And I remember basically getting in, but there's a lot of winding roads and side roads to get into Flemingsburg. I step into my Jeep. The GPS doesn't work. No problem. So I drive to the end of the road. The GPS doesn't work. I pull out the atlas, the road atlas. I look through. I'm not finding Flemingsburg where I'm at. Not that it's not there, but in the darkness, in this small print, I'm not seeing it. And so I make the decision just to head out. And that's when the message comes from God. I need you to drive with faith. And my process up to that point was an assessment. I looked there and I said, okay, I've got three quarters of a tank of gas in my Jeep that gives me approximately 200 miles. And I can drive a long time and will find my way out of this one way or the other. And I will get to a GPS signal. So there was just a process rather than like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. And in that process, the greater message of leaving the cover of darkness was, I need you to trust in me. We're all being sent in the cover of darkness right now. And the darkness is that the next steps are not always clear. And the darkness is that there's going to be a lot of turmoil in the walk that we make. Because the enemy's going to make that turmoil. And the real question is, where are where's your GPS? Is it going to be anchored in this sort of convolution and chaos, which means it's going to be intermittent. You may or may not get signals, and you might even have that signal hacked and take you a different way. Or you can anchor it in the uncorruptible GPS, the uncorruptible compass, which, by the way, the compass doesn't get corrupted because it's of an analog technology. The digital is of darkness or of, of evil. So it's interesting because God's compass is perfect. And we're going to rely on that. We're going to see an outcome of this that leads us where we need to be. But in the process, we're going to be able to shed some of these burdens that are within us. There's been a lot of this time is shaking the very core of everything that we believe in. I made a comment yesterday to Pastor Paul Cantrell. And in the assessment of things to come, it, it could get pretty dicey. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to. And I'm not trying to, to wish that in, but I think when we start to look at the alignment of where things are coming with the amount of influx on our southern border, we see that these people are trying to do everything they can to completely terminate this nation in one lethal blow. That we're seeing a, an invasion of the United States at an unprecedented level. And regardless of what comes out of this, even if you had the most perfect scenario that everybody that was a bad guy was quickly rounded up and sent out, that all those that are illegal were quickly sent home, which would be another whole trauma issue for our nation. 
Nothing is going to stay the same. When we get through with this, we are going to be changed as a nation. How we are changed is up to us. And how in the direction in which we go will be up to those of moral strength and character to lead this nation, hopefully through a process of reclaiming, not returning to, but reclaiming what our founding fathers gave us to steward. But we're going to have to take with that a variety of lessons learned, which is the corruptibility of man and the apathy of a nation that easily sets in when they achieve success. And these are things, realities that we're going to have to start facing as we come into a new era in this and an era of accountability because we have seen that within 240 or so years, a nation is very willing to set aside all things sacred for the sake of self-benefit and self-consumption and an ideological perspective that they want to claim protection on that has nothing to do with the roots of our nation, meaning Satanism, atheism, being an agnostic, being part of woke generation, being a materialist whore. When we get wrapped around the materialist world and it affects us all, and the more that we cling on to things and the more that we start to let those build our empires around us and the more that we start to see ourselves through the lens of what we have rather than what what God has in us, and when the more that we become stewards of things rather than stewards of his love, we're stepping farther and farther away from him. And unfortunately, in this era, it's easy for us to look around and even get confused and and consumed with this idea of hoarding and and prepping and keeping things in our holding and, and try to convince ourselves that we're doing nothing but stewardship for the kingdom. These are all part of the traps that are being set, and there's many of them. The economy is collapsing. We see that buying power is shrinking. They don't have to collapse the dollar. All they have to do is change the buying power, and you're going to cause chaos. My mom commented the other day that she was at the store, and an older elderly woman was there shopping and then vocally yelled out in the store, I can't believe these prices have doubled in two days. You're starting to see the stresses of the financial burden on people show up in the public space. These are emotions. And people haven't taken time. Many have not taken time or been aware of, or however we want to get to that point, they're not prepared. Let's put it that way. So again, as the stewardship of that in your communities, we need to be looking ahead and saying, okay, what am I doing for my community, not for me? And it's more than just having, being able to speak the word into them. We have to be able to lead them and guide them in hours to come. Because the way that this ultimately is going to have to play out, there's there's a part of this that is absolutely not disputable. We cannot maintain a gridlock on our corp- of our lives through a corporate network of, of companies that are owned by a few. If we are going to allow that, we're simply walking ourselves into a template of hell. So that is all being shaken, and the pieces about this are being torn, and it's just literally like watching the walls of Jericho shake right now. And those in power know this is happening. And those in power are very concerned for their own, their own preservation. Hence, you have the term the bunkers. People are wondering, why? Why are elites building bunkers? Is it going to be some major event? My guess is that a lot of these bunkers are being built because they know they are about ready to be exposed. 
And so are putting solace in their mind of being able to go to places that they consider strongholds that they can position from and use their wealth and their leverage and their power to try to get people to reclaim their position of power over people. So this is truly, truly important to comprehend the, the hour in which we're in. I'm just reading something here. Um, this is... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to read this. It's a total sidebar. Sorry, this is from an account. Um, thank you, Corey Terry, from this, for this. Genghis Khan is a great account that I, I've read from a number of times here. He does great reporting. He's an Australian, was a former Australian soldier. He just posted, one of the biggest thrills I've had since coming back, meaning back on X, was making it onto Bards of War show. Better than X-22 report, in my opinion, and I choked, and I choked him up. True story. Yes, he did. Great story. There was a story about that we read about him and his marriage and his family and having and and his when he first got married. A beautiful story and great account. So um, Genghis Khan, that's Genghis underscore Khan. Great, great channel to follow or or thread to follow on X. On X. So do that. So as we we start to understand that moment of where we are and the panic in which these people are in. The only recourse that they have is to sow chaos in our hearts because if they can sow chaos in our hearts, they know that they can ultimately win the long game. It's the easiest strike of an enemy. And that's the, the concept of an ambush. If you can create in an ambush, when you get hit, the emotions of this and the intensity of this can be overwhelming. You literally have people coming, you have a fire shots and things being fired at you from different angles and different vectors, and you're having to assess within a mass amount of noise of where your enemy is and the pathways which you can take safely. I would say, honestly, we're very fortunate and we, we were ambushed in Afghanistan that those Taliban did not learn from the Vietnam veterans that I learned ambushes from. We would not have fared well. But that said, that ambush was real. And the ability for us to be able to assess, to take that moment of pause, to, as you say, take a knee, assess your terrain, and then create a plan of attack that you can respond to, but without the chaotic emotion in your heart. That's the moment that we're in right now. And it's an important one to appreciate. And we're seeing it pop up in different areas because we're seeing it when we, people are on edge. And when people don't have the discipline of a warrior and they're on edge and you have a, and say you have a very serious discussion and, and some of these discussions in the heat of this are very real. They have to be, they have, there is an intensity with them. People don't respond well to intensity at times. People will recoil back because the structures in which they have formed in their world to be so rigid and to be so defined that everything is supposed to follow a certain way are being shaken. And so that goes back to what I was saying to Paul, Pastor Paul Cantrell, that we are going to come to a point right now with the extremities, of the extremes of which we face, that even the lens in which we look at Scripture will be changing. It's happening. And it isn't that we are, that Scripture is changing, it's the way that it reveals itself to us and what these words mean to us will change as our context in the world changes. 
The advantage that those in war have at this moment in time is they gain a wisdom, which I would tell you that anybody who's truly walked the battlefield doesn't wish upon anybody. But nonetheless, it provides a wisdom of, a, of chaos and understanding the line and the asthmus that you can get through. War is in itself chaotic. It's stressful. It adds layers of things. As I've said in past shows, war is the extremes. You see the greatest of, of humankind and the worst of humankind in one moment, and you can see them side by side. And you truly can see these incredible moments of compassion. I've used a story of Special Forces Major Rusty Bradley in, in, the, when in his book. He details it called The Lions of Kandahar. This was in Operation Medusa, which was down in southern Afghanistan. And this was a moment when his team had called in for an airstrike on the Taliban. And they were very specific. They had called for a 500-pound bomb to hit a specific Kalat. Well, the Air Force pilot on station only had a 2,000-pounder, and so he dropped the 2,000-pounder on the target. The consequences was an overblast of tremendous pressure that ended up killing a number of innocent women and children. There's the darkness of war. It's no fault. It's just the way war works. We don't get to often get that menu of perfection that we would like in the middle of chaos and war. The consequence was a damage to the village of innocence. And this is where the true heart of the lion of Rusty Bradley comes forward. And he steps in and he meets later, very shortly thereafter, like the next day or two. They met in a, what they call, we call a shura. It's a meeting of elders. And they came to an understanding. They sat there and Rusty laid before them. They were angry, obviously. And Rusty Bradley took off his helmet and sat before them and told them the story of what had happened. He was honest. He wept. He wept, literally, because of the death of children. And he made peace. The elders accepted his, his perspective because they saw that what he was trying to do was to try to save them. And it wasn't intentional at them because the Taliban had taken refuge in these, in these kalats where, and surrounded themselves with women and children. That was the idea to root them out, but not to do it the way it happened. War is chaotic. There's consequences. You have to have a different heart in war. When you deal with a nation like Afghanistan that has been ravaged by war for decades, they themselves, their optic on how they see things, the way things operate, how they find resolution and peace, their willingness to step into places that most Americans could never let go of. We look at them sometimes in Afghanistan and we'll say even like, man, these people are, are, can deal with death easily. Well, unfortunately, decades of getting slaughtered in your own country kind of leads you to a whole different way of having to rationalize and deal with death. America is very tender. It's, it has not had these sorts of chaos. We are looking at a looming potential chaos that can be very damaging. We may see loss of innocent lives. As a nation, sadly, we are going to need this to grow up because we become so accepting of peace, but the peace at what cost? The peace always at the cost of those in uniform that go abroad to fight wars for banksters to keep our little bubble of safety reinforced and the cost of Walmart goods down. But the fact of the matter is that in this moment in time, all of those protections are starting to fall and the elites are vectoring into what they're slaves. We are their slaves. And they're looking at trying to create chaos within the ranks because they know that even though we've been slaves to their rule, we've been obedient slaves to allow them to leverage us to rule the world financially and militarily. And this whole model of the way this works is falling apart. And so the elites are going to do the one thing that they are very good at because they can control the mechanisms 
of information and perception. And because people are conditioned to listening to them, they're dropping chaos into the world. And sadly, sadly, most Americans are not equipped to deal with this. I said, I've told you this before, and it's the point. That was the essential conclusion I came to in 2012, that the war that we were coming to, that I briefed in, in Fort Meade, is that we were entering into an era of a public-private partnership that would launch a psychological war against the citizens of the United States using legal means, authorities given to them by Obama and ad agencies, and the Americans were not emotionally equipped, and worse, we had no authorities to counter it. The only way to counter that is for people to wake up and to anchor themselves into the scriptures and faith. That is the only place that they will find the strength. And that again, it's about refining the heart to get to the warrior place of finding center. And in finding center, being able to breathe, relax the heart and the anxieties, and focus clearly on what's ahead. That's where the field manual, God's field manual, the Bible, works brilliantly. But there has to be a willingness to look at the world and apply scripture, not trying to force scripture onto the world. And I'm sure that's going to get somebody's backup, and that's okay, because this is part of being deconstructed and walking into the age of accountability. We are the fear that people do is they try to template upon things. So we try to take things and template upon. If we if we change a paradigm that we're rooted in, it becomes agitated, becomes a need for us to attack one another. This is the enemy's play. There's a story that came out the other day of, of some friends of mine that went out for a dinner, an anniversary dinner. They don't drink, by the way, except like this one night. There was their anniversary dinner. They ordered a glass of wine. The glass of wine was to be shared between them. And they were going to do literally a communion for their, for their celebration of their wedding. They took a picture of this. They put it out on Facebook. One of their close friends who's a pastor lost his flippin' mind. Literally started quoting scripture and sending them things and telling them that, like, this is going to take you to hell. And, and you sit back and you look at this and you say, okay, what just happened? And what's happening is that the way that we are seeing things is so is so shaken that we turn on one another because we can't scream at the world. And so we want to draw the swords against each other. We won't draw the swords against the transgenders. We won't come out openly and, and, and try to confront them because to do that takes an effort of vulnerability and an effort of, of courage that puts us out on the point and separates us from the comfort of the world in which we build. The difference in where of fighting here is are you willing to be on that point of the spear or do you want to be in the rear and be that, quote, support group that never sees true battle? You can always tell somebody who's had experience in war. And war can be, when I say war, war at this point in time, I could have this conversation with many Americans who have been on the front line of this information war. They've been battle-hardened. They've been abused they've been they've been run through the ringer and the information war is no less real than a bullet war i've said this many times it was a hard thing to even to brief and to discuss 14 years ago 12 years ago because in that time the information war we'd never seen something of this magnitude 
But the information war is as real as any other war because it causes trauma. It causes stress. And even worse is it never goes away. And then when you go after the core of somebody, go after their vanity or you go after their their reputation and you start attacking them and taking away their incomes, this is a vicious war. You start to smear them onto different platforms. You start to accuse them of things they haven't done, trying to ruin them for who they are. The only way you can get through that is with the Bible and your faith in God. But those are the people out on the front of that fight. If you haven't been in the front of that fight recently and understand where we are, then we've we've kind of lost our way. And the, the problem is that everyone is right now just trying to cling on. Too many, not everyone, but too many people are trying to cling on. Our enemy wants us divided. Our enemy wants us hating one another. Our enemy wants us looking at one another. And that is not God's way. And our enemy has constructed through the church, through the narratives that it has built, narratives that are going to be shaken. They are going to be shaken to the very core as these as we start to relens our world through scripture as our world changes. And with that we're going to come to either a we're either going to walk away in simple terms we're either going to step back from the depth of scripture and try to stay at a distance that we can emotionally manage or we're going to dig in deeper and walk through the furnace and embrace what God has on the other side. And in doing so, in arriving at that point, it's something more glorious because it's deeper in him. Challenging times in a nation, challenging times in a world, and that's where the tremors of war become so important in the whole narrative, which is where we begin today. The shaking, the tremors of war, keeping people off foot, keeping making people constantly worried about What's going to happen tomorrow? Is there going to be a nuclear war? Is, the, is there going to be no food on the table? So you, we see the split. And we see those that are being paralyzed by that narrative. And then from that, we see people that are literally saying, okay, I just can't live with that. I'm just going to accept where things are. And they want to ignore it all. That gets into last night's show, Hidden Rooms. Or we walk into this moment, which is profound, actually. And we embrace it and turn to our scriptures and go, this is our field manual for centering and work at centering ourselves in this fight, being clear, being very decisive and very clear about when the emotions hit us, and I, I cannot stress this enough, when you react to something, it is not them, it is you. When you react to something that's said, when you react to something that gets your back up, when you react to a concept, it is not them, it is you. And at the root of that, you have to get to the root of what that is in you to be able to free yourself from that trigger and step into a fight neutral. When you go to that 12-man team on special forces, the range of personalities that are in there are unbelievable. It's the same with SEAL teams. It's the same with AFSOC teams, special forces units in general. Probably shouldn't put AFSOC in there because they're really unique in the way they structure, but nonetheless... When you take the elite teams and you put them together in whatever format and they come together, the personalities on that team are working side by side intensely and they are not all in unison. But they get past the emotions to find the root of what they need for one another and they work together. 
and they always come out working as a team to be successful. Our teams are not as intimate on a daily basis, and yet our intimacy comes through a common belief, and we have to be bigger in this hour to be able to look through the burdens of our heart and become greater in warriors in God and become warriors and not become emotional tools for the elites to use to pit us against each other. Paradigms are being shaken. Paradigms are being broken. Paradigms are being remade and reforged. The center point of all of this is just a calmness within Scripture and God. And I hate to tell you, as much as I say that, we're not always going to see things the same way in Scripture either. But at the heart of it is, are we in the pursuit of the heart of, of, of our Father? Are we trying to see the light, life through the heart of Father? And nowhere in there is he trying to create a moment of Abel and Cain. What he's trying to do is to keep us in the uniqueness of the body of Christ marveling at the joy in which we celebrate him, marveling at the way we talk of him and the pursuit of the greater doctrine, which ultimately is the Church of Acts. There were two Navy SEALs that were killed in, in, in Somalia in this operation. And... It's a sad thing. It's difficult to say what happened. There's been a lot of discussion on the web of where they were. Two U.S. Navy SEALs who went missing off the coast of Somalia on January 11th are dead, U.S. Central Command said after searching for them for 10 days. We regret, we re regret to announce that after 10 days of exhaustive search, our two missing U.S. Navy SEALs have not been located and their status has been changed to deceased. SETCOM added, that teams from the U.S., Japan, and Spain searched more than 21,000 square miles to try to locate the two missing SEALs. The two sailors were boarding a vessel in search of illicit Iranian weapons when one fell into the water due to an eight-foot swells and the second jumped in after them, according to protocol. Actually, it's more than that. You know, his buddy fell into the water. And the story that I received on this is his buddy fell into the water, and as he saw his buddy fall, Yes, they are buddies, but his other buddy jumped from the side of the ship and into the water to save him, knowing that the chances of saving him were thin, but that's dedicating truly. That is the sacrifice of one for another. My understanding of, of shipboard re of operations like this is they're probably some of the most dangerous anybody can do. You're dealing in high seas. You're dealing in, in moving objects. You're being banged against the side. You, the potential for injury and, and, and loss of life is huge. So these two men gave their lives. And it's a, a sad statement to the era in which we're in because I, don't, I can't really say that it's difficult for us to discern at this point in time the motive for this fight. What we have to honor in all of this is their willingness to sacrifice their lives for another. And this is an important moment to look at. And I say this for a very particular reason. We all need to be in a mindset 
that we're going to have to sacrifice things in a bigger way than we may be comfortable with. And the point that we gain and the lessons we gain from war are those sacrifices that are made to understand that it doesn't have to be about the ideology of the war or those backing it. Ultimately, it comes down to that man on your right and your left and our willingness to put our life down for them. If these two guys at one point had had a dispute because they were on a team and that's normal, it's human behavior, in that moment it was all put aside and they stepped in to the right place and they one supported the other and gave his life for another. One was Special Operator First Class, Christopher J. Chambers, 37, and the other was Special Warfare Operator Second Class, Nathan Gage Ingram, 27 years old. We'll include them in our prayers today. Our nation is under a lot of trauma, and it's going to take a real focus to get through this line, and we have to. And so I'm just, I'm pouring out some wisdom here that has been part of my life because I've worked around great people that have been on that edge for a long time. And it's a wisdom that is, comes through a lot of hard knocks and bruises. It's a wisdom that comes through being vulnerable and transparent. It's a wisdom that comes through the need to be transparent and to get into your life and to open the doors of those hidden rooms you don't want to look at. It's a wisdom that comes through the hand of God that forces you to go places inside of your inner healing that you just don't want to go. It's also a wisdom that says that our pride and our arrogance and our egos have to be put aside. We have no time for this. We have time to stay focused on what's ahead and our enemy is coming and is banging at the gates and the only thing the enemy has left in its truth is to corrupt our hearts and to have us draw swords on one another. There's nothing it wants more and there's nothing we must deny it more than that. We don't. We have to separate the sin from the sinner. We have to relax in our walk. We have to mature and become warriors. And unfortunately, in a time where Comfort and decadence have been defining the American way. The idea of truly having loss in this modern day is difficult for many to comprehend the magnitude of what we're talking about. I don't know, nor do you, where this ends up. But I do know that in the end, God wins. I also know that our mission never changes. Whether we have a tyranny in power, whether we have a Satanist rulership in power, whether we have kingdom authority on this land, our mission truly doesn't change. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and the broken, cast out demons, raise the dead, and seek the greater works. It doesn't matter what your government is. It doesn't change. Our mission remains the same. And if we work on that azimuth, we're not going to be drawing swords on one another. We're always going to be seeing where the enemy is, and slaying him and doing it together. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we come to you today very humbled and blessed to be here, to be an assembly here, to have a fellowship here that continues to grow and expand. 
Father, this morning we just want to make special mention of, of Special Warfare Operator First Class Christopher J. Chambers, 37, and Special Warfare Operator Second Class Nathan Gage Ingram, 27, who lost their life recently in actions off the coast of Somalia. On January 11th, in fact, my birthday. Father, we just ask for blessings for their family. We pray for them as, as people that were in their memories that were. We pray for the a wholeness to settle into the wounded hearts of each of their family members that are going to feel this loss. These are good men. And to be able to be have solace in the knowledge that they gave their lives for one another, that they followed truly that greatest honor of the love for one another represents your willingness to give your life for another. And may that story, that part of this story, whatever else is at this point unknown and really unimportant, but may that story settle into the hearts of Americans to understand truly the era and hour in which we are walking, the importance of a story like this to come to surface, the need for people to realize that we are going to have to walk in a willingness to put our lives down for one another. And to we're in a new level. And we're in a new era. And we are in a time right now when things are being shaken and being torn apart and the foundations in which we're on are being shaken to do new levels. And that which we thought was solid is not solid. And again, to find that center point of breath, to center ourselves as warriors, to cut away all the chaos and the noise, to focus what's before us, to put ourselves in the moment, not in the futures or the pasts, not in the fears or the anxieties that corrupt the heart, but to understand that the discipline in which we're walking in now is a discipline that requires the heart of the warrior. And so, Father, we pray a blessing, and I ask that blessing upon all that are listening, the, the heart of the warrior, that that has compassion and understands the delicacies and glory of everything from poetry to writing to the to farming, to those softer sides and are engaged in those and equally the precision and need to be deadly with the sword and to teach and discipline themselves in this hour in new ways to be anointed with the understanding of what that is to truly be the warriors in the hour that we need them so Father this is a prayer to wake up and raise up the hearts of the true warriors not ones that speak in endless words, but those that focus on action, that focus on the discipline of the heart, that truly understand the precision that words need to be made and precision in the limitedness of words, meaning not endless speaking, but in the preciseness of what needs to be said, because words do have the power of life and death. May we be intentional. May we speak life. May we walk in life. May we rebuke the curses and may we remain disciplined in our center in you, not being pulled aside by the emotions and the chaos that are surrounding us. Raise us, lift us, bless us in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. An important hour for this nation, I believe, that we are in.
and it's an important focus of, of not being pulled from side to side. Much of the center of that goes to those principles that I went over last night, doubt, shame, and fear. And encourage you, to, I'll get it posted here in a minute. I encourage you to go back and listen to that show because there's a framework there that was given by Holy Spirit of things that we can work through ourselves, doubt, shame, and fear, to remove those from influencing roots in who we are. But that means that you have to, be the, you have, to have the courage to go through that, those hidden doors. And that's a process of self-selection. That's a process of moving through and being disciplined and not being comfortable and thinking that where you are is that you're on top of your game. Arrogance is a killer. Ego is a killer. And the idea that you're a subject matter expert in anything, it's a killer. Because there's always somebody smarter. There's always somebody else that God's going to bring up. There's always some other angle that's going to shake what you know. Be humble. Be focused. Seek his heart in all things. And with that, stay united. Patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Anticipated is the interview with Jaron Jackson, which I expect tonight. And we're recording that this afternoon to get up tonight. I think you'll enjoy it. If there's any changes on that, I'll let you know. But that's what's what I'm looking forward to. And I think you'll very much enjoy his discussion. So, Patriots, again, see you tonight. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested 
and wish to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 